welcome again to the Great Stories Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, I'm very excited to bring to you this uh, this week's episode because uh, it was another one that I did while I was in Las Vegas at the YWAM, Youth with a Mission Base in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. I uh, went out there with a high school group that I'm a part of at Resonate Church called Amplify. Uh, we went out there with about 32 kids, I think it is, and uh, we just did street ministry. We did uh, praying for people on the strip. Uh, we did some homeless outreach. We did all kinds of stuff, all kinds of just really uncomfortable, weird things. <laughs> it was super fun. And uh, I thought it'd be really cool to do a podcast while I was out there. I talked to uh, one of the gals who's in charge of the YWAM base in Las Vegas. Her name is Vicheryl Carter. And uh, she's got a, just a great story of growing up in Vegas, uh, feeling called to missions, and actually feeling called to stay in Vegas as a missionary, which is a, just an interesting twist on that whole subject. Because typically we think of uh, missionaries as you know, traveling the world, and she's done some of that, but most of her ministry has actually been just miles from where she was born, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, so, on this show, uh, this is what we do. We talk to people. We sit down, and uh, I just tried to get someone's story. We listen to their life story. We hear the highs and lows, uh, what makes them tick. But most of all, we, we want to know, how did this person come to Christ? How did, what's their relationship with God? What's it look like in the context of their real life to follow a real God to whatever end? And uh, Vicheryl is a great example of that. Uh, if you want to follow the show, we're on Facebook at The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do that in a couple ways. First is on Patreon.com. Uh, just search for The Great Stories Podcast. You can send a few bucks down this way costs a little bit to put on a podcast and uh, definitely not trying to get rich but trying to keep it uh, just self-sustaining. I want to want these stories to continue to get out and uh, your support is crucial for that. Uh, second way you can support the show is by sharing the episodes. If there's a subject, a guest, something said or whatever that uh, inspires you or, or even brings somebody else to mind, send the link over to them. That's how these stories get out. And these are some powerful testimonies that are, are truly truly game changers uh, for other people to hear. You know, for everyone that I sit across from at this table, there's a hundred other people, a thousand or a million other people who would benefit from hearing what they have to say. So share the episodes. Uh, and the last way is to come on the show. If you want to come on the show, I want to have you on the show. Uh, this is not as nerve-wracking as you think it was. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty chill. We just sit here and chat. So if you've ever chatted with somebody before, you are a perfect candidate <laughs> for the Great Stories Podcast. Uh, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so, from this point, you will be hearing my interview with Vicheryl Carter done uh, inside the YWAM base in Las Vegas, Nevada. You'll hear background noise and people shouting and stuff, and that's part of being on the base. <laughs> so, hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Here we go. depth as you want to go we have about an hour okay. before we're, we're, i think we're supposed to go to the walk the casinos right yeah 12 30 okay mm-hmm. so i'll just i'll watch the clock see what we can do can i pray Please. and then and we'll just start <laughs> this is a super chill like low-key 
low production, no script. No script. We just we just kind of talk and get to know you. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> it helps me to have questions because I don't I run out of things to say. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised. People suddenly comes by like we're done already. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right, let me pray. Uh, God, thank you for this time we've had together that we can uh, just use these cool electronical toys that we have to record something. Uh, I pray that you give both of us words that will speak to whoever uh, clicks on this show. Uh, I pray that you will lead those who are meant to hear these words to hear them and that there'll be an encouragement to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Cheryl Carter, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> this is cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, we just finished Special Brunch. Which yes. I, I remember from last year was very special. It's, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was actually at the same table as I was last year. The same one. Yeah, no. I was I was the, the rice and dirty water table. Ah, I guess statistically it's more likely that you'll end up there, but I get it. <laughs> I guess so. And you know the funny thing? I, last year I was really rebellious and I started like throwing rice around. And this year I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to like sit here. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm... Part of me was I wanted to see what happens because if you get thrown out, you can't see what's going on. True. But then the other part of me is like, well, if I try to help anyone or anything like that, like I'm going to get in trouble. Like maybe this is okay. Like I started to just like submit to this like system of hierarchy. that I, I was like, ew, that's ugly too. Yeah. Either, either way, I'm losing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So uh, tell me just a little bit about where we're sitting right now uh, and what, what your role is with YWAM. Right now, we're sitting at in the prayer room of the Youth with the Mission base in Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, I'm one of three directors of our ministry center here in town. Um, Youth with the Mission is an international missions organization, and they have um, thousands of employees nationwide and worldwide, actually. And so they have a location in over 200 nations. But our location's in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the inner city. And uh, what I love about it is even though we tell people that we're doing ministry in Las Vegas, people often think of the Strip and the different things like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But our location is in an area of town that most people that come to Vegas never see. So we're in the historic west side. And in this area of town is a lot of homelessness, um, prostitution, even though illegal in Las Vegas, happens in our neighborhood. A lot of drug activity, um, domestic violence is in this area. And so we put our base here so that we could have the biggest impact for the kingdom of God. So they picked the worst possible spot. Something like like that. Let's go there. Yeah. I took a picture a couple days ago when we were doing uh, the thing where you make two lunches. And you go out and find someone on the street to share your lunch with and have a conversation with them. And I, there's one spot. I took a picture of it. I'll show it to you. I couldn't believe I was in America. Like this. Here, this is the one. That looks like. Yeah. I mean, that's right. That's two blocks that way. Yeah, just around the corner. And the housing do look like you're in a second or third world nation. Yeah. And there's no yard. There's a lot of trash. Right. It does feel like you're not in your own nation anymore. Well, then you look and there's just people... Just laying on the dirt, in the sun, like just like right there. Mm-hmm. Like is that is that where you live? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Amazing. I I I was blown away by that. I, I'm still trying to figure out where to put that. Really, you know. It definitely does mess with your your perspective. It yeah. does for me often. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing. And then you have a, a partnership. Christina was telling us about the partnership with Grace City Church and, and mm. just how that whole thing fired up. I think that's really cool. Yeah, just, we're really grateful for that. Yeah. And then uh, Richard from last year. We, <laughs> I remember he was a great guy. He is. He is doing incredible stuff still. So we love to stay in touch with him, even though he's gone to another location. He's in Hawaii. Yes, Kona, mm. Hawaii, one of our largest ministry centers for Youth with a Mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah, I know that um, drug usage is actually a kind of a big deal, on, especially on the Big Island. Yeah. Uh, crystal meth was huge for a long time there. Yeah, that and suicide yeah. from friends that aren't locals. That's yeah. been one of the challenges. Get that island fever. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, hey, um, I I want to kind of dig into your story a little bit. I mean, you, you traveled out to uh, Fremont a few months back when we were kind of warming up the idea of coming back. And uh, both you and Christina gave us kind of the, the shorter, you know, 10-minute versions. Uh, but I, I just kind of want to open it up and give you the chance to just talk about the, the longer version of, of just kind of who may, what makes you who you are, how you became... Uh, a missionary in, in just a place like this, how you came to know Christ, just how all that works. I think it's so fascinating. Wow. Yeah. 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 And, and we loved getting to visit Fremont. It was so fun to get to be with your church. Yeah. And it's an amazing group of people that loves the Lord and loves each other. And that's rare. <laughs> they're, they're pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I love our kids. Man. Yeah. They're so cool. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I am a missionary in, actually, ironically, my hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I was born and raised here, and my parents were, they grew up as military kids, and they met one another in Las Vegas and got mm. saved in their youth group in high school, um, college age, Yeah. and got married. Um, wow, it's going to be... 38 years tomorrow is their anniversary. Wow. <laughs> so um, they raised my brother and I in Sin City and worked really hard, I think, to try to make sure that we were connected with the Lord, that we stayed in church, mm. that we um, were kind of protected as best they could from everything that the city yeah. is famous for. And so they put my brother and I in private school when I was little. Okay. Um, second grade, we went to this Baptist school. Paradise Bible Baptist <laughs> Church, and it was there that um, my second grade teacher introduced me to the idea of missions in the first place. Huh. Yeah, she was amazing. Her name was Tina Oglesby, and she did this whole section on world missions and introduced us to famous missionaries like Amy Carmichael, and mm. um, she like brought in exotic fruit so we could try different <laughs> things. And, and one of the things I shared at Fremont is that I really enjoyed mango. I didn't know mango was an actual fruit. <laughs> and I was like, man, this missionary thing is amazing. They have mangoes. <laughs> they have mangoes. I didn't, I mean, we just get apples, but <laughs> like I'm going to the nations for the kingdom of God. <laughs> so I think it's, um, it's amazing. You remember something that your second grade teacher said, I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Tina Oglesby. She was my first teacher that wasn't my mom. My mom homeschooled us for a okay. while. Yeah. And so she was my first experience to like having an actual teacher and I adored her. I was like, you can have all my lunch. You can have flowers. <laughs> so great. everything she said in my heart was like gold, but that was something that really stuck with me that yeah. um, the Lord used this lady named um, Amy Carmichael to go to a country that wasn't hers to share the gospel with little girls that were in trouble and to save them out of that situation and to mm. give them Jesus. And that not only did she help people, but she got to eat really cool food doing it. So I, I started telling people at eight years old, I'm going to be a missionary when I grow up. 
don't know. Little did you know you'd be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I mangoes for head. you. I know. I should have brought you some, darn it. Uh, I know. We, we got some good mangoes. Fun fact, I remember we have this grocery assistance program that we have at our yeah. ministry center. It's such a blessing. But I remember um, telling a visiting team, I was like, I did this. To, I got involved with missions for the mango. Yes, Jesus, but also the food. <laughs> and so I was laughing. I said, it turns out that missions is mostly driving the bus, doing the dishes, and no mango. I was like, I was right. tricked. <laughs> So we laughed about that. But then like the next day when grocery assistants came in, there were boxes of mango. Yes. There was like jars of mango. And I was like, uh-oh, the Lord heard Somebody me. heard you. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, Lord. I was teasing. I was definitely yeah. joking. <laughs> I love it. So that's second grade. That was second grade. Yeah. Um, also Keep that going. same year, ironically, um, a team from Youth with a Mission came to our chapel service. So we yeah. had church with the kids. And I remember seeing someone. I was like, wow, they came from all over the world. And it put a face onto missions. And I started saying, you know what? I want to do that. I can see myself being mm. like them. So um, into high school, um, I went to public school about eighth grade so not quite high school okay um and i remember it was my first exposure to public school it's different uh yeah i was nervous and i knew growing up in a sheltered life even in a crazy city um that people weren't interested in jesus and i really Mm. wanted people to like me so i remember making a decision that i was just gonna leave jesus in church at home Hmm. and didn't really get into trouble i still got good grades because that's what my parents taught me to do but I found that on the inside, my heart had changed hmm. and going to church started to have to be a performance, had to fake being happy. And hmm. I was like, wow, something's died on the inside. I don't know what that is, but oh, well, I've got friends. And so yeah, keep going. I went on yeah. and uh, the Lord brought a man named Joe Kirsch to our church. He was from Maryland and his family had moved there, a young family, okay. and they became youth pastors. And I just remember that even though I was too young to be part of the high school group in the youth, that they still let me be part of it. And so mm. I was so excited to be with the cool kids. <laughs> um, and he said, we're doing our one of our first trips. We're going to a place called Arizona. We're going to Phoenix. And we're going to this event called Acquire the Fire. And I didn't know what Acquire the Fire was. I tried to ask questions. He was like, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. Just get in the van. <laughs> and he put <laughs> us all in the van. And we drove across state lines. Oh, gosh. And we went to this arena. Who could get away with that now? Are you yeah, kidding me? Nobody. Just get in the van. Who, who, what's your name? <laughs> Hop in. Yeah. Right? But my parents, they were my parents. And they made sure that they were chaperones yeah. for this trip. Okay, so okay. I got it. I wasn't alone. <laughs> But I do remember not having much explanation, just knowing some really cool Christian groups were going to be there singing. So I was like, okay, I don't know what this is, but I'll hear cool music, so we'll go. And so once we got there, I just remember um, just being in the parking lot and feeling like, oh, man, I don't know how I can tell this, but I can tell God's inside that building somehow. Mm. And he and I have not talked in a while. Maybe they'll let me stay outside. <laughs> uh. And I was like, well, I'm 13. They probably won't let me. So we went inside and inside were like 10,000 young people, ages 12 to 25, Whoa. just worshiping the Lord so hardcore. I'd never seen that before. Um, and I remember after worship was done, we're way in the back because we were late and it was dark. And the gentleman, Ron Luce, went up to the front. And he basically told this story and he was like, guys, you know, some of you are just like this story. He's like, you look like you're alive on the outside, but on the inside, Mm. you died. And the Lord wants to give you life. He wants to call you home. He wants that relationship with you. So it's time to give your life back to the Lord. 
And I remember just feeling convicted. Number one, that he said almost word for word what I'd been thinking since I stopped walking with the Lord. And two, that, wow, the Lord sees me wherever I am. Hmm. And so I thought it's time for me to do this. It's time for me to get right with the Lord. And I turned to my dad and I told him, I was like, I think I'm supposed to do this. And he's like, that's great. (laughs) I'm so excited. And I was like, actually not great. All my friends already think I'm a Christian. What am I going to do? I have to tell Mm. them I've been lying. I can't do that. Um, And so it became that whole fear of man thing again. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never forget what my dad told me. He said that it was okay to feel that way, but that I needed to remember whatever decision I made that night, it needed to be because of me and Jesus and not me and my friends. Because at the end, when I stand before the Lord, um, my friends aren't going to be there with me. It's just going to be me by myself. So it needed to be my choice. Right. And so I think it was interesting that he said that because I was like, oh, I need to decide this for myself. (laughs) And I gave my life back to the Lord. And it was literally not 20 minutes later that, you know, gave our life to Jesus. We're so excited. I feel alive on the inside. Things have Mm. changed. But um, it was the same year that um, the Columbine shooting had happened in high schools. Really crazy. And the only reason that that's important is because one of the girls, Rachel Scott, that was killed in Columbine, um, had been planning to go on this mission trip to East Africa, to Zimbabwe, Mm. when she was killed. And so the main speaker was like, you know... The enemy took out Rachel Scott, but now who's going to go in her place? Who's going to share the gospel with people? <laughs> and he like did this rallying cry. Me. And I was like, <laughs> I, it flashed back to eight-year-old me. And I was yeah. like, I'm supposed to be a missionary. And so he's like having people stand up around the arena. I was like, I'm going to go in her place. And I stood up. Uh-oh. And I remember that I made a decision that I was. I was supposed to be a missionary. I'm going to go. And that summer was my very first mission trip. I went to a little country called Trinidad off the coast of South America. Yeah. And went there for two weeks and changed everything at 14 years old, my very first mission trip. Wow. So um, that was really cool. My parents weren't super excited that I was going. (laughs) They really at first told me, no, you can't go. (laughs) Yeah, of Um, course. Where? Right. How old are you? Where's that on a map? You're 13. No. (laughs) You can't do that. Um, And so I just was like, okay, that's fine. If you say no, it's okay. And I went on about my business, but I think the Lord handled it for me. Mm. And he kind of uh, encouraged them. He's like, hey, who are you trusting her with? Trust me. And so my parents came back to me, actually, and they're like, you know what? We prayed about it. Wow. You know, and we decided that you can go if you get the money. But we support you. We don't have the money to give you. But if the Lord provides the money, you can go. Mm. And I was like, okay. So I wrote up the letter and I sent it out to people. And literally, even though I started later than all the other people in the church, I got all my money first. Ah. And so that, I think, encouraged my mom and dad because they were nervous, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but they started seeing hundreds of dollars come in the mailbox and they're like, clearly the Lord's okay. in this. This is real. <laughs> yeah. And so that became um, the start of wanting to do missions. Wow. But, yeah. What was that mission trip aimed at? Like, what, what were the some of the things you did there? Yeah, it was it was old school. So we did um, skits. They taught us one main skit that showed the gospel, nice. and we basically did that skit over and over and over again. Did you do in it different in locations? It was in English or? Um, it was a, a, a pantomime, and yeah, ah. Trinidad fortunately is an English speaking nation. Um, And so we didn't have to have it translated, but it was also recorded. So you would do the actions to the music and then there would be a narrator on the recording sharing the gospel, depending on what was going on in the So simple. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, very simple, but not very 
Yeah, I loved it. It was good. And that changed you, you say? It did. It really did. What, I realized What did that look that like? I'm curious. It, it helped <clears> me know <throat> that I could leave the country because that was, I'd <clears> never <throat> gone that far from home. I'd never gone by myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Intimidating. I was like, wow, I can, I can do this. And I really think I'm supposed to do this. And the Lord will be faithful when I go. Yeah. Um, and so I was really scared. I was like, I don't think I'm ready to leave my mom. The Bible says, leave your father, mother. I don't know <laughs> if I can do this. And just my friends coming around me and saying, dude, you're in eighth grade. This is just the start. It's okay. You can grow into leaving your mom and yeah. dad forever. For now, just be faithful here. <laughs> so it was a little dramatic, but it was really good. That's um, awesome. I went on to do other mission trips throughout high school yeah. and went to college and kind of got sidetracked and got into some debt for school and decided, you know, mm. I need to put missions on the back burner again <laughs> and be a responsible grown-up and pay off my student loans. Not that grown-up stuff. All Not that grown-up you know, stuff. That's so irritating. It can be. I shouldn't yeah. have taken out the loans, but that's another story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's fine. Lessons learned. <laughs> yeah, right? Eh, 2020. Um, but what was really cool was how um, that didn't stop the Lord. And so even though mm. I went, I got my degree in music education. Okay. Yeah. and I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I became a music teacher for elementary school. Whoa. Um, and did that for about four years. And if you have to have a job, that is really a fun job to have. <laughs> oh, it's adorable. Oh, Seeing the little kids learn instruments is the cutest thing ever. They're so cute. Yeah. And they'll like watch you like a hawk and they treat you like a superstar because you can do <laughs> no wrong when someone's five. Yeah. You're, you're their hero. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really was glad to have that experience, but I knew it was wasn't long-term where I was supposed to be. I was supposed mm. to be a missionary, but yeah. I told the Lord that that wasn't financially respectable. I need to make sure I take care of the finances and then I can obey you, Lord. Mm. Um, but the Lord had other plans and he started changing stuff up and um, some stuff at work start, started getting really difficult. And I knew, I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. And I was getting frustrated, but I was like, but I have to, I need to, I need to work this out. Yeah. So one day I was like complaining to my brother's wife. She's amazing. I love her. She's a good friend. And I was like, oh, I didn't even ever want to be a teacher. I'm supposed to be a missionary. Yep. You know, YWAM is cool. They have like this DTS here and there. And I remember one day after the 12th time of doing this, that she was like, why don't you stop complaining and actually apply for that discipleship school? Mm. And it felt like a smack in the face, but I knew she loved me. <laughs> Those are the best, right? It's like, it ah, I want to be mad at you, but I know you care about me. I can't be me, too so. mad because you're telling the truth. And I was like, oh, okay. DTS is what? It stands for Discipleship Training School. Okay. And what that means is it's the ground level course for youth with a mission. Anyone that wants to work with them goes through this course, and it's about five to six months long. The first half of it is what they call lecture phase, and they fly in teachers from all over the globe that are on the mission field wow. doing the thing both here in the States and overseas. And they'll talk on different topics like the character and nature of God, the mm. cost of being a disciple of the Lord. Um, what's the father heart of God? It says he's a father. What does that look like? Yeah. And we'll spend a week going through these things and letting the Lord um, instruct us and heal people and do really cool works on the inside. Yeah. Um, and that was really good because I, I think when I went to that school, I thought they're going to hand me a piece of paper like my college degree did uh -huh. and say, go be a missionary. Good luck. Go make God known. But what YOM did for me personally is they made sure that I knew God first. Mm. And even though I grew up in a Christian home, 
I think I knew a lot of scripture verse. I had a lot of head knowledge. I could explain a lot of theological stuff, but I didn't have as much of experience of God saying, hey, I know you. I made you. I know these intricate details of your life that nobody knows, and you are mine. And I think having that time of just focusing on the Lord and getting to know him as a father, as a friend, um, changed everything with the way that I related to missions and stopped being like, this is my challenge, my life goal. I'm going to do this thing to like oh i'm gonna share this is my friend jesus or this is the king of the universe and i know him and being able to do it from that perspective instead of it being a job so um that's the first half is lecture phase and the second half the last two or three months um you go typically overseas to have a cross-cultural experience of doing missions and evangelism in another nation so for me i went to nepal in india for my discipleship training school and we spent two months there yeah Two months is a good bit. Yeah, it stops yeah. being a vacation. You're like, oh, I'm actually here. <laughs> right. So it was really good. And we went at Christmas time. So it was my first Christmas and Thanksgiving away from home. Mm. Um, but it was really powerful to see people celebrate Christmas and it be all about Jesus because they're in a country at that time. I'm in India in a country that's not Christian and that their focus is Hinduism. Right. And so the people that are celebrating Jesus are doing it on purpose because it's kind of at the risk of their own life. Yeah. And so that <laughs> perspective yeah. messed with my head so much. I was like, they are all in for Jesus and it could cost them everything. Wow. What am I doing at home in Vegas? <laughs> I know. We're, we're so spoiled with things like that. It, it, it's hard to think about, but you should. Yeah. You should. I, I loved uh, when we talk about that with our kids a lot of times, just to make it like realistic, we say like, you know, um, there's there's people there that they've never plugged anything in. And they look at me like, what? what? Like that? There's no electricity? <laughs> it's true. No. Maybe once in a while. Yeah. They get to see something that's been plugged in. But they don't have an Xbox. They don't charge their phone at night. Yeah. They don't have a bowl of clean water that you do your business in. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, this is different. Life is different. It's very that, different. And mm-hmm. that changes you. Yeah. Yeah, I remember being in India and the place we stayed, they were wonderful and they took really good care of us. They made sure we had Western toilets. They made sure we had food that was familiar to us. They don't want you to freak out. Didn't want to, they were so gentle and so kind to us. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that was culture shock was when we were taking like baths, like bathing was different and they had um, bucket shower. So it was this big barrel of water and you would like scoop water out of it. And if you wanted to not have a cold shower in December, then you had this... <laughs> like stick that looked like a rod and on the rod in the center of this rod was tied a light bulb like the size of my fist one of those spirally looking light bulbs okay and so this light bulb is tied to this pole and you're supposed to plug the light bulb into the wall and stick the light bulb into the water while it's plugged <laughs> into the wall what? because the light bulb would get hot enough to heat the water <laughs> and so that's what we did to have warm showers only one of us got electrocuted. It was fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it was definitely another world. That's such a bad idea. <laughs> but well, they I guess, I guess if, yeah, if you want warm water. Oh, <laughs> so that was it. Once I graduated from the discipleship training school, yeah. um, once you do that, you're now considered um, a part of Youth with a Mission internationally. They call right. you a YWAMer. So that's the phrase. YWAMer. YWAMer. Yeah. And um, you can now become someone that can go to any of our locations in any of the 180 nations in the world yeah. working with them. And so I decided to come back on staff with the one here in Las Vegas. 
Um, and I started working with this program that does special brunch, yeah. working with high schoolers and inviting them in and saying, hey, the gospel, the Great Commission, it's for you. Yeah. And so I love seeing God touch kids at the same spot I was at, where I gave my life to Christ. How long ago did you uh, officially come aboard here? Mm. Um, I did my DTS five years ago in August. So okay. it was September 2014. Um, and I came on staff the following spring. So I've been working with this location for a little over four years now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So grateful. And now you're in the, the director. Is that what you said? Position? Yes. Okay. About a year ago, um, yeah. the gentleman that was in charge of this facility, um, he had he had originally made a five-year commitment to be the director, be in charge of all the ministries, make sure the building's in order, that yeah. they represent this location internationally when we go to events. And so that was his job. He said, well, my time is ending. I started in 2013. It's 2018. And I don't believe I'm supposed to continue on as director. Right. So um, would you and two other ladies that were also ministry leaders at the time, hmm. he's like, would you guys pray about joining eldership with our, you know, our staff? And at the time there were three other elders. So it was fine. I was like, sure, we'll pray about it. Pray about it. The Lord says, yes, we'll help you find the new director. Hmm. Um, little did we know that those other three elders were getting ready to transition out and leave. Oh. And so we were the new elders. <laughs> nice. So, Congratulations. There yeah, you go. <laughs> we're now part of it. Well. So we had our, one of our first eldership meetings with the previous director, talking with the regional director. And he's like, so the three of you, you're going to be the new directors of YOM Las Vegas, right? And we, our jaw drops to the floor and we're like, no. He's like, you're taking a team three approach to this, right? We're like, absolutely not i just made elder <laughs> i was like I do, i'm going to help them find the new director and the guy was like mm, yeah i'm just going to level with you no one's going to come and be director at your location you just need to go ahead and pray about it but i think it's right you should go ahead and be the new directors and we're like <laughs> wow okay we would never do that <laughs> out of the frying pan into certainly, the fire certainly so um long story short one of the three of us said she felt like the Lord was telling her, yes, you're supposed to be the director. And so she comes to our meeting. And she's like, I think the Lord says I'm supposed to be the director, but I don't want to be. So I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> I don't want to do this, but I'll pray about it. And in my head, I was like, I'm off the hook. I don't have to be. I'm good. Thank you for taking the, like falling on the spear. We salute yeah. you. And so we let her pray the six months. She comes back to us six months later and she's like, guys, I know I'm supposed to be the director, but I can't do it alone. So I think I've decided that I'm not going to do it yeah. unless you two do it with me. <laughs> and we're like, oh. And she's like, so you can <laughs> pray about it for the next week and then give us your answer. <laughs> and then give us your affirmative answer. Yes. <laughs> next week. I love that. Yeah. And I was like, what? So wow. that's that's what happened is we both um, individually prayed about it, came back and we're like, we'll do this. We'll stand with you and we'll do this. Yeah. And the three of us became the new directors of Youth with a Mission Las Vegas a year ago. Hot dog. And it's been a busy year for you here. It has. The Lord's been so faithful. I think I was really... Well, I obviously was very concerned about taking on the position, didn't have any experience running a nonprofit, um, had barely yeah. done missions. <laughs> so to become a part of them, like in charge of a missions organization at the age that I was seemed really daunting. Yeah. But what I've seen this last year is that the Lord is enough and that we're like, we don't have the money to take care of the finances for these three months. What are we going to do? And then mm. weird stuff happens and it shows up and we're like, oh, okay. Or just unusual circumstances happen every single time and the Lord shows up and I'm like, I'm going to stop worrying at least out loud because the Lord is yeah. enough. <laughs> That's a funny thing about, I think 
a true calling is one that should scare you a little bit. Because if you're if you're going to do something, you're like, yeah, I could do that. Like, all my strengths, all my giftings, like, like all that. my experience, I, I think this is cool. I, I can reach that. Then where where's there room for God to work miracles in that? Oh, yeah. It's not there. But I think it's when you're called to something, you're like, what? There's no you want, way. <laughs> you want me to do what with who, where, how, for what money? For Like, there's... There's just a string of miracles that have to happen for this to work, but you're still here. Yeah. So guess what? God's faithful. <laughs> you're, you're in the front row seat to see what he's doing. That's all. Like, it's so true. Yeah. And I remember the person that founded the ministry um, in Las Vegas. Uh, mm. His name is Richard Thompson. And I just remember just um, me and the fellow directors just being in awe of like him having faith for this, that, like just massive amounts of faith for things <laughs> to happen. And I remember sitting down and talking with one of my co-directors and I told her, I was like, you know what? We were so in awe of Rich. I was like, but I think that the Lord just had him survive so many circumstances <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where the Lord came through in amazing ways. And that's what grew his faith. I was like, I think yeah. if we hang in there long enough, we can get there. You'll get there. That's funny. <laughs> Well, let me, let me ask you, what are like some of the, the more challenging parts over the last year for you? Uh, and what, what have been some of the biggest wins for you over, over the last, was it 11 months maybe? Something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, 11 months. I think for me personally, my personality is to be a people pleaser and a peacemaker yeah. or at least a peacekeeper. Anyway, and that being said, I really avoid confrontation in any shape, form, or fashion. But right. when you become one of the directors, part of your job is to handle situations that come up. Yep. And pretty quickly after saying yes, I'll, there were several circumstances where that was a thing. And I had to be in important conversations and tactfully handle things over a long period of time mm. with people where I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't like just hide in the closet and avoid yep. it. And I think um, that the directorship stayed the same, but personally I grew to where I'm learning that confrontation is a loving thing. It's not something mm. that is bad because sometimes people have come to this point and no one's ever told them, hey, this is stopping you from going to the next level. And now it's a situation where we need to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so that has been a big growing point for me. There's still more room for growth. Um, but oh, you I, never stop. You never as soon stop. as you think you've got it all, that's when things get crazy. Yeah. Um, I think that some of the wins have been seeing the Lord bring in um, amazing staff from all over the world. People that, frankly, are much more qualified to run this facility <laughs> than myself. But the Lord brought them and they're like, we're here to serve you three directors. We've been in missions for 20 years. We've run other organizations and we support you. And I was like, you support me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so it's really humbling. Um, and we have an incredible staff, and I, I love what they bring to the table, and I feel humbled to work with them. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, curious to ask you to, to rewind just a bit and go back to that 13-year-old. Oh, excuse me. Uh, something I love asking people is when, when you were there and, and you're hearing, you know, the, the gospel, you know, again, for the whatever time, maybe different this time, whatever like that. In your words now, what, what do you think is it about the gospel that makes it so beautiful to you that, that you'd be willing to literally like kind of take your whole life and, and package it up and say like, hey, t let me, you know, I'll be a missionary. I'll go where you have me go, you know, answer the calling, even though it's right in the neighborhood, you know, here. Yeah. But what what is what is it about Christ in that that's so attractive to you that you would do something that to the rest of the world would seem just 
it's so illogical. <laughs> Just crazy. You're a crazy lady, right? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why did you stay here? Missions means you go someplace else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that once you meet Jesus and he comes to you and says, I know you. I know your history. I know all the broken pieces. Yeah. I know where you've come from and what you've been saved out of. And you don't have to spend forever in your brokenness and know you're not good enough. That's why I sent my son to die for you. Mm. I paid it all for you. And I love you. And you're not worthless. You're, you're valuable and you're wanted. And I think coming against all these lies that I stored up in my head, even coming from an amazing family that I love, that love Jesus. I think any one of us can like go through life and just pick up stuff that isn't true and um, become really in touch with where we fall short between us and God. And so the Lord, I think meeting me there and saying, shy little girl that wants to please everybody, (laughs) I care about you and I've paid it all for you and it was worth it. And I want you to know me. And I'm the person that loves, like, as Vicheryl, I love having my questions answered. Mm. I love asking why and how this works and what does that mean and what's at the root of it. Yeah. And so when the Lord comes to me and says, I'm the king of the universe and I want you to know me. Ask all your questions. I'm unafraid. You can be real with me. Take off the mask and let's let's talk because I want to be in relationship with you. That That is so attractive to me. I was like, Jesus, you can have it all. You've paid it all and you deserve it all. And so my answer is yes. And whatever you want to do and wherever you want to go, if it's go to the ends of the earth or stay right here in your home city, the answer is yes, because you deserve it. Mm. That's beautiful. That's a hard spot to get to for so many. I I struggle with that myself because I'm I'm very much, you know, Bay Area bound. Right. I was born, you know, maybe as the crow flies like seven miles from where I live now. Mm. And, you know, I, I've thought about a lot. I, I don't feel that I'm called to be a missionary anywhere else, but I keep going through that process of like, okay, if, if I say, God, I'm in, like, let's go. I can't say, but only here. Yeah. No, it's so true. <laughs> it's terrifying to think of being called somewhere else. Like that, that's, that's that one call in ministry that I'm hoping he doesn't cash in. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm scared of that, honestly. Like, I, I don't want to. Yeah. But you have to be willing to. Yeah. And and you're you're at a point where you say yes. Yeah. Which is, I, I admire that. I mean, I'm, I'm jealous of that kind of faith. I feel like. Yeah. I want to get there when I grow up. I want to be like you. <laughs> Thank you. But I think... Rich Thompson told me once, and it's bothered me ever since. He does that, doesn't he? He does do that. (laughs) He's like, as a Christian, Cheryl, you need to be willing to go any place and do anything at any time for the sake of the gospel. Otherwise, there's something wrong with your Christianity. Hmm. And that is so convicting. And I find that I have the reverse challenge is that I'm always excited to run away from home. I don't want to stay in the city. Let's go someplace new, new fruit, new people, oh, yeah, new yeah. culture. Fresh. And, yeah. and I think just the willingness of saying, Lord, I'm letting go of my stipulations. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Right. And maybe it's not to go and move someplace else. Maybe the Lord wants me to help facilitate missions for people that are going because mm. it, they tell us that of all the missionaries that are going, only 4% of the money that goes to missions actually goes to the 1040 window where I've nobody hears the name of Jesus. Yeah. So maybe I can't go. Maybe I don't speak Khmer, so I can't go to Cambodia. Right. But I know people that are planning to move to 
Cambodia and I can help finance and make sure they have everything that they need to go. Mm. I can help Wycliffe do their Bible translations to unreached people groups. Uh. I can be a part of it. And King David in scripture, he made this rule for his mighty men. And the way it went was the people that go and do the battle get to split equally with the people that stayed behind and guarded. Mm. That it was the same thing because one can't do it without the other. So I think it's, you know, Yes, sometimes the Lord says, go to Tajikistan and share the gospel. But sometimes he's like, help facilitate going to Tajikistan. So there's less of a wall for people to be able to go. Exactly. And I think that's convicting to me, too. (laughs) It's hard hard to hear that and not have any kind of response to it. You mentioned the 1040 window. Can you just like kind of sketch that concept out just really quickly? Thank you. You're so right. (laughs) Um, It's latitude and longitude on on the world map. And in this particular area of 10 and 40, between those areas is where the bulk of poverty and disease and things happen. It's also, conveniently, the area where the gospel is least been penetrating right and so um coincidence i think not we like to tell students that come that where the gospel goes people are healthier wealthier and happier because they have the manual for life yeah. in their hands and unfortunately there are at least two thousand um languages where the gospel like the scripture has not been translated yet um Wycliffe <sighs> is working diligently they just finished another one they've been on it Man. but they need the support and the means to see that two thousand go to nothing so jesus can come back yeah Oh, gosh. 2,000? For real? Yeah. Unreached. Yeah. You can go to Joshua Project. How um, many languages are website. there? I know. That's what? my question. <laughs> gosh. But Joshua Project is a place you can actually look and they keep a running tally of the progress and what people groups have been unengaged, who's Amazing. been unreached. It's really powerful. Now, this is mostly like North Africa, uh, like India, areas of China, mm-hmm. like kind of that Mediterranean-ish. Yeah, Yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, They like to call it the thumb, and I want to make this correct. So they call it the thumb because it's tribal, it's Hindu, it's um, unreached, it's um, Muslim, and it's Buddhist. Thumb. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of the main people that are in that part of the globe that are unreached are those people. Right. And then those are also, as a result, some of the most dangerous places to go. (laughs) Go figure, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Another question for you. Total change of gears. I like this. Throw something at you. Let's do it. Um, something that I've, I've been struck by in the times that we come out here is just the way that you guys pray. Um, and, and not so much the style or, or the all at once versus one at a time or the popcorn thing, but it's the, the quantity and fervence of it. I don't think myself or, or a lot of us who are in a, a traditional church setting really honestly... Uh, pray with the intentionality or frequency or intensity <laughs> that you guys do. And um, I guess the, the question that I want to know is what what is your motivation to prayer to, to pray the way that you do? And what are some of the things on, on kind of the top of your list that you're finding yourself going into petition for and intercede for? Mm. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think part of it is when a team comes, they see us doing a lot of outreaches. And so in those seasons, there's going to be more prayer just because we're getting ready to go do an outreach. We better go with Jesus. <laughs> Otherwise, we're wasting our time. Yeah, um, makes so sense. That, yeah. that's part of it. It's not always throughout the year as frequent as 12 times a day with people. <laughs> but I think when we do pray, um, 
part of it is because Youth with a Mission, the way it's set up is nobody gets paid to do what they do. Everybody raises their own support. Mm. And so you go to friends and family and you ask them to invest in what you're doing and they you raise your own paycheck. So even though I told my family, I am now a director for a location of Youth with a Mission, that doesn't mean anything financially. Yeah. <laughs> and so it actually means that I need to spend more so I can go to more places and do more things. So just having this every single person from the person that founded the ministry all the way to the brand new student, um, this dependency on the Lord that mm. you need him to come through because you're not sure necessarily where the finances will come from. Yeah. Um, that can be an element of it. Um, it can also be the location that we're at there. You, you're face to face with a lot of need in our location. Right. The, we'll have women come and knock on our door and say, Hey, he's choking me out. I need to get out of this life of trafficking. Mm. And so you're like, shoot, I'm clearly unqualified to help you little Christian girl. that grew up in a home where nothing bad happened yeah. to help this woman that's being exploited. And you're like, Oh God, <laughs> I need you now. Well, here you are. What yeah. do I do? So sometimes it's because of the, the greatness of the need. Yeah. Um, Personally, one of the things that there's, okay, there's three things that I've been praying a lot for. Perfect. Three is a great number for these things, right? Yeah. So um, finances, obviously, is always an ongoing prayer. Definitely. Um, But two of the things um, have been near and dear to my heart and some of the heart of the staff. And one of them has been for more men to enter into missions. Yes. Um, Statistically, I took a course called Perspectives, and they talk about the world Christian movement and what it's doing. And what they told us, and this was um, December before last, is statistically the missions force is made up of uh, 70% families and 30% single females. Yeah. And so they're like, so if you're doing the math, that's zero single males. (laughs) And we're like, what? So um, really? in our location, just um, we're an extreme case. We focus on anti-trafficking and orphan care. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we draw a lot of women. To, of course. Yeah. Uh, right. So our staff is of out of 15, 20, it's going to be, you know, 17 women and three married men. And yep. so um, we pray fervently for the Lord to send more men into the harvest to come to our location, but also to the nations, because we are called to go to some dangerous places. And um, the Lord can definitely protect us. And he does. But yeah. I think that um, it would be so wonderful as to bring my staff of t- girls that are in their 20s to have men with them when they're going to minister to 17 year old boys yeah and so it's healthier i think yeah. to have a male presence so we just start asking lord would you mobilize men into the mission field them and their families but also single men that haven't quite gotten married yet send them lord send them to our base send them to the mission field send them to the harvest mm. um, so that's been a huge one and we have a promise at our location the lord said he was going to do it so we keep believing god for that and we're seeing it happen wow the second thing isn't really related to wild las vegas it's something i've um been in touch with and uh this past february i went to an event called the send and it was an event that was put on by um circuit riders and different ministries um, in Dunamis, different ministries. And their hope was to gather as many people as they could. They ended up having 40 to 60,000 people at a stadium. And their goal was to (laughs) mobilize 6,000 new missionaries into the mission field. Okay. Right. And so I went to this thing expecting to be like, yay, missions. I'm a missionary. We're doing this. And I get there and they have these four African-American men come on stage And they send out a call and they say that, do you guys realize that we're doing this? But less than 1% of the missions force that goes out is African-American. 
there aren't a lot of minorities in missions. Mm. And he said, like, the Great Commission is also for us. What's standing in the way? Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's opportunity. Sometimes it's an old mindset from a a history of brokenness. But the Lord wants to heal the brokenness and launch us into missions. And so it's been near and dear to my heart Mm. as an African-American person to be like, yes, the Great Commission is also for people that look like me. They need to know that God calls them to also go any place, anywhere, anytime. And so... Um, I just got back from an event called an African-American missions conference, really small, but they're doing big things. And I love the thought of mobilizing minorities, Latinos, like into the mission field. Exactly. Because if we're going to go to the nations, then we need to look like the nations as well. Yeah. So those are things I've been praying about is Lord mobilize people that haven't been mobilized to go to the pe- to places and send more men into the harvest and God, would you fund it all? <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, dream big. Right. I, I went to a conference once, and the guy said that you know our our prayers in our minds should make God sweat a little bit. You know, yeah. like he's gonna have to work to yeah. get this one done. I love it. I, I totally hear you on the men's thing. That's one of my biggest gripes. Is just the, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like super judgy or anything, but we we need we need guys to man up in a lot of ways, and and step out and do things that are uncomfortable and they might fail at. And I think that's that makes a lot of people afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of women leading in missions. Historically, they have. But I want to encourage. It's it's yeah. Great. No, yeah. I'm all about it. I love it. I think women can do it. But I, I think sometimes that can be intimidating, like there's no room for men. But let mm. me just say publicly that the only reason that three of us ladies are directing <laughs> is because there were no men to take that spot. Mm. And so... Um, we long for male leadership to come and work alongside us, work with us, yeah. um, to do the to do the dang thing. Yeah. Well, and I I love I love the minority outreach too because, you know, frankly, there's people that you could walk up to, and they would give you the time, you know, and that they wouldn't for me. Yeah. Just because the way we look, and that's what that's the world we live in. Yeah. And and why not use that to our advantage? So true. <laughs> instead and of so people have never instead been told of sitting that, there yeah. like ah, racism, blah, blah, blah. no, let's well, let's use it. You go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll go there. You go. They're like, great. Let's let's do our thing. Absolutely. I was like, yes, we're all one body in Christ. And I was like, it's such a shame that missions is doing it with the body of Christ, but they're only operating on one kidney. We need to get our other kidney, guys. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, they're on <laughs> so, dialysis. <laughs> so I love it. Um, so just one more thing for you, like I. What what do you think is is the biggest things that you're looking forward to right now? And I mean, we got like, we have to go pray over casinos in five minutes, but just in in that time, what uh, like what's coming up that you're looking forward to, excited about that we could pray over YWAM about? Yeah, it's on yeah. your mind. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is something that's kind of already happened, but I think it's indicative of what the Lord's doing in this city. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Las Vegas. It's a place where people, even people in the city are afraid to go and be ministers in their own city. <laughs> They're like, we can't go to that side of town. Yeah. That's where bad things happen. Right. But I love that God's called us to be a light in the darkness. And by having groups like Resonate come in and work with Las Vegas and serve in our city and work with Grace City, we've been seeing God change things. And here's an example. So um, one of the mottos of Las Vegas has been what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's really it's really a mess. But (laughs) um, what I found and what we've seen is in the last four years, not even the last four, it's been the last two years two or three years since we had the October 1st shooting in Las Vegas. Right. Terrible tragedy that happened. 
and I'm sad that it did happen. But one of the unexpected side effects that came from that is that the city got a new motto called Vegas Strong. Yeah. And so it's actually technically officially replaced what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And now it's Vegas Strong, a focus on the community Hmm. and the people. And one of the things that happened during that shooting right afterwards is that the church that most of the world doesn't know exists in Las Vegas showed up and showed out. They were doing ministry. They were praying for people. They were doing like rallies and taking care of blood and helping the sick and taking care of funerals for the grieving. Like they showed up in mass Mm. to serve the people that were hurt from this event. And I like that the invisible church became super visible and out of that became a new name for the city that the Lord renamed sin city. He's like, now it's going to be Vegas strong. Now we're going to move away from people's sin and muck. God is literally transforming the city and it happens when people come and they serve and they pray like never before. And I'm so excited to see this nation, this city change. It goes from like gambling and sin to like now it's going to be like family events and like sports because we're having sports teams coming. Yeah, it's going that way. It's really shifting what this city looks like. And so I'm fervently believing that it's going to go back to its original design. Las Vegas was originally designed, it's called the Meadows, to be a place of refreshing, a place of hospitality, a place where people can be trained up and sent out, that the Lord is going to bring the nations here. They're going to hear the gospel and they're going to go out to all the world. So what happens in Vegas isn't going to stay here. It's actually going to change nations. Yeah. Dude, I want to go. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, man. Um, yeah, every time I talk to you people, I get so excited about what's happening here. Um, yeah, for sure. You're, you're a very unique person. Thank you. I know you're you, so you don't see you know a lot of times. But, uh, yeah, there, there's something special going on here. I think you're in the right spot. There's, there's a calling and there's a gifting that you have. I, I was uh, two days ago when you were teaching. I was just, you know, picturing, you know, just thinking about you. I, I should have been listening to what you were saying, but I, I was thinking about that, and I was, I was just looking at you, and I, and I, I just pictured you as when you're old, you know, like a that eighty year old lady, that that just matronly, loving, caring. Like, how many people already have you touched, you know, just because of your heart, the way it is? How many have you yet to? And I, I just, I, you know. I can't imagine that, you know, at the end of your life when you get to actually see the impact that you've had, it's going to be humbling. And it's a privilege to know you at this stage of it. I can't wait to see what's next. Uh, It's beautiful. Uh, How can people support uh, YWAM uh, financially online? Is there any links that you could share? Yeah, uh, if you go to ywamlasvegas.org, and so it's... Um, youth with a mission but just ywamlasvegas.org and you click on donate you can donate to the ministry Um, you can like specify I want this to go to anti-trafficking stuff or I want this to go to a specific person Um, but that's where we funnel all of our finances we're really close to paying off our building so that's a prayer request we're super excited it's so close so (laughs) we're believing God that that's going to happen in the next two or three years beautiful and so we're so excited for what God's doing with that as well yeah well I, I, I can tell folks listening you know from my perspective in a front row seat it's something worth supporting uh you know that there's not it's hard to guarantee that things you donate to that you're not involved in are actually going to go where you say they're going to go like there's that whole thing but this is a legit thing and i think i think every dollar is going to go to actually take ground for the kingdom Amen. so i encourage people to support that and if you happen to be a guy uh look up the address and start driving we're looking for you <laughs> right on all right, we got to go pray over some casinos. Give me a high five. That's it. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, ma'am.
All right, there you go, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, what an inspiration, right? I mean, the the life of a missionary is a different kind of sauce, I think. There, there's just something there, that willingness to take that step, that willingness to say to God, like, okay, like, let's go. I'm yours to whatever end. Let's do it. Man, that is, uh, that, that's a tough nut to crack. That's a hard thing to swallow. And like I said in that video, or the video, in the interview, um, you know, I, I, as soon as I start to think like, okay, I'm in this thing, I'm all in this thing, you meet someone like Bashiro and you're like, okay, I need to grow, I need to grow. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Bashiro. Uh, thank you to YWAM for hosting us out there. That was so cool. What a trip, man. What a trip. Uh, share the episodes. If you know any missionaries, if you know anybody interested, uh, if you uh, were reminded of some other person during that interview, share the episodes. That's how these things grow. I want Cheryl's story to be heard all over the world, and this is the way to do it. Let's go. Uh, if you want to be on the show, shoot me an email at uh, thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, tune in next time for the next story. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. All right. Hey there. And uh, thanks for leaving your tuner on, maybe by accident, maybe on purpose. (laughs) Either way, you're still listening. Uh, This is like the Easter egg, the nugget portion that I I do at the end of the shows. This is where I just kind of say whatever's on my mind. And uh, right now, I'm just thinking about podcasting. And, uh, you know, I, I started doing this thing in October of 2018. And I'm like almost 20 episodes in now, and I've done a lot of testimonies, and gosh, I'm enjoying this. Like, I hope, you know, those of you listening, you know, if this is your first episode, like listening to the show, like go back and listen to the other ones too. There are some just crazy powerful things that have been said into these microphones. And, you know, it's making me think about, okay, you know, where where does this thing go? What's next? You know, how does this work? And you know, like I've said before, I'm not really trying to make a, a career out of this or a job out of this. It's it's more of a, a hobby for me. You know, I, I enjoy hearing people's stories. I like uh, talking to people and just kind of digging around in their lives. And really, there's, it's very rare, honestly, that you get the chance to just sit across from somebody for like two hours and just hear all their thoughts about all these different things. You, you know, I really feel like I get to know these people really well. And I, I hope that through... Um, through the, uh, you know, the radio, or what, what do I call it, the radio, the phone, the computer, however you're listening. I hope that on your end, too, it sounds, you know, just really genuine, like you, that you know these people, and you get to know me, too, I guess. And uh, I think the next thing on the list is probably to do my own <laughs> testimony, right? Uh, I haven't done it yet. Uh, and it, it's kind of one of those obedience things for me, I think, like, I'm the guy that, like, I call people and text them back and forth and you know I have to cast this bold vision to get people to come on the show and tell their story <laughs> but I haven't done it myself um, so I think uh, yeah I'm gonna 
I've got a fella, you remember Justin Abelay was one of my first interviews, and uh, he was great, but I'm, I think what I'm going to do is invite him back, and we're just going to kind of turn the computer around, and we're going to let him basically interview me, and you know, again, it's not like my story's the craziest one. It's not like the grand finale or whatever. I, I don't think that at all. Um, but I've got one too. And, you know, I, I want to drink my own Kool-Aid here. And it, Oh, that's the wrong thing to say. Not forget the Kool-Aid. I want to, you know, practice what I preach. How about that? Yeah. We'll practice what we preach. And uh, I'm going to share my testimony because I know there's people out there who would connect with it. And uh, there's people out there who won't. But it needs to be told. Uh, the best message of Christ that I have is my own life. Uh, it's the one I know best. <clears throat> and, it, you know, from my perspective, it's the most dramatic, right? Because I lived it. So I think I'm going to do that. And uh, I'm going to keep recording these things. You know, and this is, this is again, where I appeal to my audience. Um, every single story is different. Everyone has their own. Everyone has a different connection to Christ but for, you know, for every element of your story, there's a thousand people that share it. And your story can reach people that mine can't. Because, you know, some people don't share the things that happen in my life. But they share them in yours. Something you would say, your perspective, would resonate with them. And that, that's the power of the testimony. That's why we tell them as Christ followers. And um, I'm excited to keep going. You know, I'm not running out of guests. Uh, if anything, I'm, I'm getting more of them. But... You know, it seems like there's there's never enough, or at least there's never enough time to record them all. But I, I want to keep going. Uh, I want these to get out. I want these stories, the words that are spoken here, to just conquer people's souls. That's my goal, and I need your help to do it. Uh, so, again, if you want to be on the show, email me at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Booyah. <laughs>